Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Beautiful, beautiful music. Well, it gives me great uh, pleasure and joy to have Brother Harry come and, and speak to us. And I've known Harry for quite some time. I was thinking there are, there are only two people in the in the room that actually know Cheryl longer than I do. And uh, the first, of course, is the Lord Jesus. <laughs> the other is Harry, because uh, Harry was the minister of education over at the College Park Baptist Church when Cheryl was in high school. And, uh, you know, I didn't meet her until after she graduated. <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, I want to give Harry all the time that, uh, that he can to speak, so I'll, I'll make this little introduction short. Thinking about some of the different ways that I could describe him, he is a faithful, consistent witness and servant of the Lord Jesus. And not only the director of the of uh, missions for the Southern Nevada Baptist Association, but he's also my brother and friend. So, Brother Harry, you can thank you. Well, it is great to be in the Lord's house today. And if you weren't in Sunday school, you should have been. <laughs> it was a good Sunday school class, and I, I, let me tell you two things I take away from the Sunday school class. One is the question about where can you see God and experience God today like in person like they did in Christ's times by looking out the window and seeing that God created all of that and recognizing God's hand in creation. So that's the first thing is answering that question. The second thing is the people, there was Road to Emeritus and the people were were expecting a Messiah that was going to overthrow the Roman government. And we expect a Messiah that's going to change our life today. Instead of looking at the Messiah who is creating a new kingdom, and we're going to join him in a heavenly realm in the days to come. We have a short-sighted version of God, just like they did. We're looking for an experience instead of looking at what God's going to do long term. So it's, it's exciting. The Bible study class is worthwhile. And I got something out of it. Oh, thank you. So I just thought I'd, 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 I'd let you know. And you'd get something out of it. If you weren't here, you need to be here. Amen. You can pull that microphone closer. Yeah, get a little closer. Yeah, there, it's, there. there. This is better? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I'm not used to talking with a mask on, so uh, I'm a little... Uh, I'm getting used to it. I, I usually just get, just throw caution to the wind and, and take, take it off. Today I want to talk to you about the urgency of the gospel. You know, we serve a great and powerful God, and He is holy and righteous and yet forgiving. And King David described God in this way. He said, I love you, O Lord. You are my strength. You are the rock of my, and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and, who, and my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The scriptures say that God is powerful and mighty and that He takes care of everything and we can lean on a powerful and mighty God. However, it also says that He is faithful to keep us. In Romans 8 it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We were considered as sheep for slaughter. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor proven, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, uh, not any other created thing, 
shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ, of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God is great and powerful, and He's not going to let go of us. He's going to hold on to us. And we need to understand that we can rest in God uh, because He is in charge of everything. And yet, we live in a heathen time. All around us is, is sin and corruption. It, they have made sin legal. And uh, uh, it says in the, uh, the, it, abortion, divorce, drugs, usury are all legal. Sin runs rampant. Southern Nevada advertises that we're the sin capital of the world. We want everybody to know what happens in Vegas stays here. Although it doesn't stay here, it follows us all of our life. Uh, but they, the, 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 the world has taken charge of, uh, of what's going on, the heathen. And we are among them. And uh, we have a great and powerful God Yet we also have a, uh, uh, we live in a heathen time. Within uh, 20 miles of this location, there are 2.27 million people. And 2.1 million of those people are lost and are destined for hell. Nine out of 10 people that you meet on the street are lost and they are, they are destined for hell. The Bible says that all who believe in the Lord in Christ have eternal life. But he that does not believe has, been, has already been judged. The Bible is clear. If you're not saved, you're lost. If you do not accept the free gift of salvation, you are destined for hell. Hell is a place of everlasting and unquenchable fire and punishment where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it's the absence of God. Uh, if we stopped there, there wouldn't be much good news to it, would there? But that's just the foundation. God loved us so much that He didn't want to leave us there. So it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel is the good news. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and proclaims that belief is saved. And there is no other way to have eternal life except to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, we live in a heathen world. We have the solution to the problem. And God's expecting us to carry that solution to the people. Today, I want to talk to you about the urgency of carrying that message. We live in an area that, that really needs our help. The Bible says if you confess Jesus with your mouth as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The only hope for the world the only hope for the United States, the only hope for Southern Nevada, the only hope for my friends, the only hope for my family, the only hope for all those around us is Jesus Christ. We can look to the government to try to fix things, and we say science is going to provide us a cure. 
but the real answer is found in faith in Jesus Christ. I can trust, trust does not come easy, but we trust the government. We need to stop trusting the government and start trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Bible says that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a person who represents a, a country, or in this case, we're representing heaven. Uh, and it, we are to be ambassadors. And what does the ambassador do? He lives among the people of another nation. We live among the people of this world. And when you live among the people of this world, we are to live among them in such a way as they look upon us and say, wow, that place heaven must really be nice. That place heaven must really be the place we want to go to. And so they will come to us and want to be like us because they see that. That's the role of an ambassador. The Bible goes on to say that as ambassadors for Christ, we are to beg them to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we're to ask them. It says we're to beg them. The emphasis is that this is the most important decision they'll ever make. That decision to trust in Jesus Christ as the personal Savior. We need to understand that the message is urgent. The most important thing that the person needs to know is that Jesus Christ is going to rescue them. The Bible says death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is, is the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus. We just need to understand that. We are his ambassadors. We have a message of hope for this world. And here is the message. Every person is a sinner. I am a sinner. Every person is a sinner. And that sin deserves a wage. And that wage is, is death. Death is separation from God. You know, there's, we talk about what death really is, but death is separation from God. And... All of us deserve that. But God loved us so very much that while we were still lost and, and in need of salvation, Christ died for us. And he, he did that in order to save us. And He offers eternal life to everyone who believes in Him. And if we trust in Him as our Savior, He will give us eternal life. And when He gives us eternal life, that, that that's, nothing can take it away from us. We've got it for good. And He's promised all those who have trusted in Him that He's going to come and call them back so that they can come and be with Him in heaven. That is good news. The good news is all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ have... Uh, have a promise that someday we're going to join Christ in heaven. We may be here on earth when He comes back or we may go first. One way or the other, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. I heard that somewhere this morning. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to lay a foundation of why the urgency is, the, the gospel is so urgent. I want us to understand that to not have Jesus Christ, we're already condemned. 
But the good news is that no one has to be without Jesus Christ. Every person can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, which is the verse that, that I'm basing the message out of today, says that whenever we receive power from the Holy Spirit, we will be His witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. God has entrusted the gospel message to us. He said we will be his, mess his messengers. And I want to use a passage of scripture out of Acts that talks about the Antioch church. Is uh, the substance of my first part of this is that, let me just say, Jerusalem is where you live. And for each of us, our Jerusalem is our family, our friends, our people that we meet at the grocery store, people we meet at work, people we, we associate with. That's what Jerusalem talks about. He's talking about the, the, your local body, the people right around you. That's what he's talking about. And this is, let me read you this passage and then we'll, we'll go from there. This is an it's about the church in Antioch. It's in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. It says, those that were scattered because of the persecution that occurred with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word of God to no one except the Jews alone. Let me stop right there and say, as a, as a background, the church was flourishing in Jerusalem. Thousands of people were coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But it angered the powers of Jerusalem. And so they found that they, they got favor if they persecuted the church from the Jews. And so they were, started persecuting the Jews. And Stephen was a, was a deacon. And he was stoned to death by, the, by, by the, the people in Jerusalem. And a great persecution arose. And when the great persecution arose, Christians scattered they didn't stay in Jerusalem anymore. They started running. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of a background. And so as they were running, they went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. But some of them, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch, began to speak to the Jews also. Prior to this, the gospel was for Jews. And this is opening up of the gospel. It was really uh, with Peter and, and, and with uh, a couple other times earlier in the Bible it talks about it, but this is really the opening of the, the gospel to the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles, the Greeks. Preaching to the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Then when he had arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a considerable number were brought to the Lord. Uh, and he left for uh, Tarsus to look for Saul. And when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and they, for an entire year, 
They met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now at that time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them's name was Agabus. Stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would be certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. And uh, in proportion to any that the disciples had, each of them uh, determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul yeah, to the elders. This is the story of the first church. This is how the gospel was spread by the first church, the first century church. And I think that as we look at Acts 1-8, it says to start in Jerusalem. We need to know how to start in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and so let's look at the, what they did in the, in the church at Antioch. First thing they did is they recognized the urgency of the gospel. They talked about Jesus everywhere they went. They did not just bring people to church on Sunday and, and listen to the preacher preach. When they were on the streets, they would say to, to each other in front of others or to others that Jesus healed my wife. Jesus gave me food. Jesus redeemed me. Jesus showed me the way so I was kept safe from thugs. They talked about Jesus interacting in their lives in such a way that people would say, who is this Jesus? And they would be able to talk to them about the reality of Jesus. So the first thing I want us to understand is we recognize that the gospel is an urgent message. And that we don't wait for people to come to church in order to tell them about what's going on. It wasn't they came up to someone and said, do you know Jesus? You've got to accept Jesus today or else you're going to die. No, that's not how they did it. What they did is they, as they were walking through their life, they talked about what was going on, what was important to them. Jesus was the most important thing in their life. And so they talked about him. They, they showed people Jesus by their conversation. It says in Acts, or Matthew 28, 18-20, it says, Go and make disciples... Uh, uh, and go and make disciples really is better translated as you are going make disciples and the way that the, the, the gospel comes out of Matthew 28 18 to 20 says go and make disciples baptizing them that means bringing them into the church and teach them all to observe all that I have done teach them all about Jesus and then to experience God on a daily basis because it says, Lo, I'm with you always. That's kind of a summation of that passage. But what I wanted us to see is that the first century church took the part about going seriously. They talked about Jesus as they went. I, I know that it's polite to talk to other Christians about Jesus, but what you need to learn to do 
is to recognize that if he's the most important thing in your life, you can say praise the Lord in front of somebody who's not a Christian. You can say, let me tell you what happened. I almost got in a wreck coming to work this morning. But you know, the angels protected me. And then they'll look at you weird. <laughs> but after they look at you weird for a while, they, they'll finally say, why are you so weird? And you can tell them about Jesus Christ. So the first thing is that you learn to tell them about Jesus Christ. The second thing you need to learn is that the, it says that teach them to observe all that I have taught them. And, and, and that what they did in Antioch is that they, they, they got Barnabas and Paul to come and teach them all that they need to learn. Let me tell you about heathens. They don't know the scriptures. They don't know that they're not supposed to commit adultery. They don't know that fornication is a sin. They don't know that it's wrong to steal. They don't know that it's... They don't know anything about ethics because they believe if it's good for number one, it's good for me. They've learned humanism. They, they've been taught utopianism. They are not people who, who have a Christian Judeo-Christian ethic. They have to be taught how to live. It says, teach, the scriptures say, teach them to observe all that I have taught you. It says, teach them to live that way. Teach them to rely on God for everything. Teach them to live open lives. Have prayer have Bible study, have devotions. You know, there's a difference between prayer, uh, Bible study and devotions. Devotions is reading the Bible for God's conversation. Bible study is reading the Bible to learn about God. You need to do both in your life. You, you can't just do one or the other. They became gentle people. They became righteous people. They showed mercy. They were pure. They were peacemakers. They learned how to live their lives like Jesus, to forgive others. They learned the golden rule. They did unto others as they wanted to be done unto them. They were honest and trustworthy. The people uh, that knew Jesus Christ became, they had joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, they were taught how to live their lives by Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas were so successful at teaching them how to live their lives that they acted so much like Jesus that they called them Christians. The first time the word Christian was used not because somebody said, I, belong, I joined the church so now I'm a Christian. It's because someone looked at them and said, Wow, you are so different. You act just like the man Jesus that we've heard about. You must be a Christian, a little Jesus. You see, the, the, if we are going to reach our Jerusalem, we're going to have to do it by, by learning to be like Jesus. We're going to have to do it by talking about Jesus. Our Jerusalem is our friends, our family, our neighbors, our work co-workers, 
the people that we interact with every day. And the only way they're going to know Jesus Christ is if they see it in you. If they hear about it from you. Whenever uh, Andrew uh, found Jesus, he went and... I've already lost my notes. Don't miss my phone. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he found Jesus. He went and found Nathaniel. And he said, come and see this man I found. He is the Messiah. He has... And, and, and Nathaniel said, no, he, he wouldn't. He said, well, come and see. You see, if you don't feel comfortable telling your children or your grandchildren or your next door neighbor about Jesus, you can talk about Jesus until they say, who is this Jesus? And you can then say, come and see, and Mike will tell them. <laughs> because that's what they did in biblical times. If they couldn't do it themselves, they said, come and see for yourself. You see, we must be the means of salvation for those that we love. They're not going to get it from anybody else. They're not going to get it from anybody else. We need to, we need to first accept Christ ourselves and recognize the urgency of the gospel. We need to learn how to act by studying our Bible, by going to Bible study, by, by being discipled by other Christians. And then we need to live like Jesus. And then the people in Antioch did one more thing. They had compassion. They, they said that the, there's going to be a famine and people are going to be starving to death. They said, well, let's take a collection and let's, let's give something in order to, to make that happen. And so they, they took up a collection and sent money to help for the famine. <coughs> what is your passion about? We have compassion where God puts passion in our heart. We need to understand that whenever we look upon somebody and we feel compassion, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us that we need to do something about that. Uh, everybody doesn't have the same thing. Some of us are going to be, uh, be feeding the hungry. Some of us are going to be worried about the unborn. Some of us are going to be worried about uh, the naked or the prisoner or the sick. Whatever God gives you a passion for, remember that their bottom line is they need Jesus Christ. They, there's not, just because they may be hungry, but if you give them food, don't just give them food. Give them food with Christ. Because we are about sharing Christ. What your compassion is a personal choice. Holy Spirit prompts you. I'm not compassionate about the same things you are. I give my money to the church. You know why I give my money to the church? I want to see people saved. That's the bottom line for me. I give money to veterans' causes because I'm a veteran and I recognize that there are a lot of good veterans' causes. I have a compassion for veterans. And so the Holy Spirit gave that to me. I don't give to some other causes. I support women, uh, the Child Evangelism Fellowship. 
because I believe that they are presenting the gospel to the children. So, what I'm saying is, you don't want to give the same things I give to. But you give where God calls you to, to say to give. Show your compassion. Be involved in the ministries that God calls you to do. So, that's the first step. The first step is for us to reach our Jerusalem. And that's your job. No one can do that except you. You, you have to do it. Uh, you have to take personal responsibility for your family, for your friends. You have to say, I love them, and therefore I'm going to care. How are you going to do that? Well, first thing you're going to do is start praying. If you really love them, you'll pray for them. I pray for my family every morning. It's one of my rituals, but I, I pray about what's going on in their life that day. Uh, my, my daughter-in-law is an active Christian. My son and my three grandsons are not active at this time. And so I, I live with them. So I, I, I see them every day. But I, I, I can't fix them. God can fix them. And so <clears throat> I'm not speaking out of a success ratio. I'm speaking out of a burden. The burden is that, they, that our family will know Jesus Christ. They, I think they all know Jesus Christ. They just don't follow Jesus Christ. And, and so we need to pray for them. And as you're praying for them, God will open up opportunities for you to share. And whenever He does, you just don't have, you don't have to browbeat Him. What you have to do is say, well, God loves. And He taught me how to do this. You, you, you talk about the experience. You don't, uh, you don't try to force them into to making a decision. But you, you love them into the kingdom. That's how you get your, your Jerusalem done. Second thing, you've got a Judea. That's my job. I'm the director of missions for Southern Nevada Baptist Association. We have three counties, Clark, Lincoln, and I County. It is our responsibility to carry the gospel to these three counties. Now, you can't do that because you're busy right here taking care of your Jerusalem. You can, sometimes you can go be a part of these things, but you can't do it yourself. That's why I'm a missionary. My job is to carry the gospel to these three counties. I do that through a multitude of ways. It says in our Constitution that we promote evangelism and discipleship. We assist churches in planning and executing the work of the church. We help in determining where new churches are needed and, uh, and enlist churches to participate in that. We do evangelism. These are the things that we do. But the reason we do them is so that people will know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Our motto is helping churches reach people. Our job is to, to encourage churches to be about reaching people. You notice I keep saying about reaching people, urgency of the gospel. I kind of got a one-track mind there. <laughs> I think it's important for us to understand that that all the good we do in the world doesn't need anything unless we do the best. We need to do the good, but we need to do the best. 
and the best is sharing Jesus Christ. Uh, we have 26 zip codes in, in, in the Las Vegas Valley that do not have a Southern Baptist witness. That's a pretty alarming number to, to recognize. 26 communities that do not have a Southern Baptist witness. So one of my burdens is that we get churches started in these 26 communities. Uh, we, we provide a number of services that we do in order that churches can do their job. One thing is that we provide Bible study as aids. We have, we have four pages of type list of, of different Bible studies that are available for checkout of our office where we check out the material to you and you do that. We provide evangelism training. I think some of you came to my evangelism training I did a year and a half ago or two years ago over at the Renaissance campus. We do monthly prayer meetings. We have a monthly evangelistic prayer summit that meets the first Friday of every month at 8 p.m. or at 6, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m., an hour and a half long. We do student evangelism events. Uh, we have two more. We've had one this year. We're having two more yet to come. We assist and advise churches in church planning. We get new demographic studies. We provide food ministry assistance. We operate the Fry Ranch encampment, which is for retreats. Last year we had 10 retreats out there from different churches. We do, uh, we offer Silver State Bible Institute, which is a seminary program. We do English as a language teacher certification. We teach VBS and, and Sunday school workers. We provide block party help. In general, we do whatever it takes to help churches reach people because that's what we're about. Because we are responsible for seeing the gospel as delivered to these three counties. And so that's what we do. Uh, additionally, we are, you are responsible for your, your Samaria. The Samarian uh, uh, is your cross-cultural, your language and cross-cultural outreach. In our association, we have 54 churches who speak a language other than English. We have 17 different languages that are taught spoken every Sunday in a Southern Baptist church. Uh, there are currently six language groups in Southern Nevada have, that have over 5,000 non-English speakers in them uh, who do not have a church. So we have, we have uh, six language groups that are still our target for Samaritan outreach. And that's also the responsibility of the association. We, we do all these things in order that, that everybody can have the gospel in their culture, in their language, and in their community. Because we don't believe that, that we can force anybody to accept Jesus. But we want everybody to have the opportunity to accept Jesus. And the final area in Acts 1.8, it says, unto the ends of the earth. Southern Baptists support something called the Cooperative Program. The Cooperative Program is designed to reach the ends of the earth. There are two mission boards that we support. 
we support the North American Mission Board. The North American Mission Board is responsible to carry the gospel to the United States, Canada, and U.S. territories, such as Puerto Rico, Guam, Samoa, Samoa, Samoa. Uh, there are 366 million people who live in that area. 350 different language groups. 275 million lost people. There are 3,000, a little over 3,000, 3,043, I think is what there was last count, missionaries that work on the North American Missionary Front. You support them by your gifts to the cooperative program. You are key to the success of reaching the North American mission field because you give to the quality program. The other mission board is the International Mission Board. There are 7,125,7.125 billion people in, in the world today. 7 billion people. There are 11,732 defined people groups in those 7 billion people. 3,057 of those are unreached. That means there is no gospel message in their language. Not a single person in their group has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Pretty bad to think there's 3,000 groups. 3.5% of the world's population does not have the gospel in their language. So they, they need to hear the gospel. So you support that you support reaching those people with 3,700 missionaries around the world. So you got 3,000 home missionaries, 3,700 international missionaries, and then you got me here in Southern Nevada. All your missionaries, because you support the cooperative program and the, this association. I want to thank you for doing that. It's it's an important work that you do. Very quickly, the bottom line is that people need salvation. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you, it's the most important thing you can do. You must know Jesus as your personal Savior to assure your, your place in heaven when you die. Besides that, He, gives you, he makes your life great here on earth. So let me encourage you. What you need to do in order to have to know Jesus Christ is to trust, to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He lived a sinless life, that He buried in the grave, He was resurrected a new life, was ascended into heaven, is going to call everybody to come to you. Just believe in Jesus and ask Him. Everybody who calls upon the name of Christ will be saved. Let me encourage you to do that today if you haven't done that. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity you've given me to talk to this congregation about your work. We pray that we can share the gospel with those who need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. If there are those here today who don't know you as their Savior, we pray that they may accept you today by just simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Will you be my Lord? If they can say those words, they can have eternal life. We pray, Lord Jesus, they can. That you, the Holy Spirit, will move them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Thank you, Brother Harry. We're going to sing our invitation hymn now. And, of course, this is actually the most important time in the service because it's a time when we dedicate our lives to the Lord. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now is the time to do that. While we sing, you come and give your heart and your life to the Lord. Or maybe you've been attending, but you've never really joined this church officially. You can do that during this time as we sing. The invitation is open to you to come and to move your membership here to Alianta Community Baptist Church and to reach this Jerusalem, if, if you will. Or maybe you need prayer. You need to rededicate your life. Or maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism. You haven't been baptized. You can come as a candidate for baptism. So let's stand, please, as we sing. And you make the decision. Let, let God speak to your heart and you respond to Him as He leads you. blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.